0: well he could have been the real billy the kid and also chupacabra (laughs) howdy you're listening to come and take it a talk show about texas by texans where three friends born and raised in the lone star state share our views on the history culture and just what it means to be texan i'm mike zolkoski I'm Sean McIver. And I'm Scott Elfstrom. We've talked about monuments of the Texas Centennial Celebration, designed and built to commemorate some of the most important events in Texas history. Just to be in their presence means to feel some measure of the sacrifice and honor of those who waged the war for independence. But not all monuments are about the Texas Revolution. Many seek to honor famous Texans or the triumphs of the common man. Sometimes, we just build monuments to things we like. Before we start, who would win in a fight? An armadillo? A horny toad or a mosquito from the Texas Gulf Coast?
1: Well, I don't know. I don't know if mosquitoes bite the other two, but I think the mosquito might win, depending on what he was carrying.
2: Yeah, they are the size of chicken hawks. They're huge. Um armadillos are cowards, so um, I'd say probably the horny toad, or maybe the mosquito.
0: An armadillo is a coward. An armadillo is like a modern dinosaur. <laughs> And if you think Jurassic Park is not a great movie, then you are a fool,
1: sir. <laughs> yeah, are the horny toes and the ones that can bleed out their eyeballs though. They yeah. ble- they spit blood. They spit blood
2: yeah. out of there. Which albums. that Which might I-
1: that might give them an edge. I don't think so. I think the
0: the armadillo is is the mightiest of these three native Texas creatures. The
1: armadillo might survive. Yeah. Help <laughs> survive the other two. Yeah,
2: maybe. I don't know. I'd say that a Texas rattlesnake gets them all. As, as long as, it, ha- as
1: long as the armadillo doesn't have to cross a road yeah. in the midst of the fight, you should be good. First of all, all right.
0: I don't want to digress here, but I'm going to. I have never seen a mosquito or a horny toad curl up in a ball, lay on its back, and leisurely drink a Lone Star long
1: neck. <laughs> Point to the armadillo. Point to
2: the armadillo. Yes.
1: In the center of Crystal City, Texas, southwest of San Antonio, stands perhaps one of the most iconic Texan statues of all time, Popeye the Sailor. Okay, so maybe it's not the most important figure in the state's history, but it does serve to illustrate that people will build a monument to just about anything if given
2: the chance. In the early 1900s, thanks to the arrival of the railroad, Zavala County and the surrounding areas became a hotbed of farming for winter crops to be shipped north. By the 1930s, when Popeye was at the height of his popularity, Crystal City became the spinach capital of the world. Their first spinach festival was held in 1936. With the blessing of Popeye's creator, cartoonist Elsie Chrysler Seeger, a contest was held to design a Popeye statue to erect in the center of town. The original design had him sitting on a giant can of spinach. The whole thing was to be carved from Texas limestone, but in the end he was molded in concrete and stands on a four-foot cylindrical base. The original was... Actually, inside of City Hall, the one out front is made of fiberglass to discourage vandalism. The story isn't completely frivolous or without a genuine connection to Texas. The
0: Victoria Advocate was reportedly the first newspaper in the nation to carry Siger's original comic strip, Thimble Theater, in which Popeye made his debut. Popeye, therefore, could be considered a native Texan, uh, if you squint and maybe
1: tilt your head a little bit. Yeah, I mean it might be stretching it, but we'll claim it, right? There were a lot of monuments that went up in the 1930s as a result of the New Deal and WPA money flowing in from the federal government. While many of these were directly related to the Texas Centennial, like the San Jacinto Monument, Monument Hill, and the Fannin Memorial, at least one was only of importance to a small number of people living in Fayetteville, a small town northeast of LaGrange. It commemorates the construction of the town's first sewer line in 1937.
2: While there's no real confirmation that the WPA was involved in the construction, during the Great Depression, programs such as the WPA and the Civilian Conservation Corps were frequently the only source of civic public building funds. A sanitary sewer is typical of the projects they would fund, which were beneficial to the public at large. Something notable about the monument
0: itself. It was donated by the Stoltz Monument Company of LaGrange, The Stoltz family has been making monuments in LaGrange since 1895. In addition to the Fayetteville sewer marker, they installed the granite tomb at Monument Hill in 1933, as well as the Art Deco monument that came after it in 1936, which we talked about in our previous Monuments episodes.
1: Now how about a monument to one of the legendary animals of the Texas plains? You mean the jackalope? No, just the plain old jackrabbit. In 1962, someone came up with the idea to erect a statue in Odessa, Texas, presumably to drum up interest for tourism. Former state attorney general and then president of the Chamber of Commerce, John Ben Shepard, spearheaded the effort to build an 8-foot fiberglass jackrabbit. Jack Ben Rabbit has been on display ever since and currently resides in front of the school administration building. He was actually on display for a while, then they put him in storage, and then public outcry rose up, and they brought him back and put him in his
2: new location. Yeah, I've, I've actually seen it. And why a jackrabbit? Well, they are everything in Odessa. In fact, in 2001, the Texas legislature declared Odessa the jackrabbit roping capital of Texas. Jackrabbit roping. That, that's what they do in Odessa out there. It's not much else to do. It seems that in, way back in 1932, as part of the Odessa Rodeo, they staged a jackrabbit roping as a public stunt. There were objections, but since nobody could find a law that prevented it, they went through with it. They revived the tradition in 1977, but the Humane Society shut it down for good in 1978 with the court order. That's just wrong.
1: Yeah, the uh, the sheriff at the time was against it, but the mayor and like the business leaders couldn't find anything in the law that prevented it, so they went through with it. But apparently there was a young lady that won that contest and beat out all the men. Oh, wow. oh well, good for you. She roped that jackrabbit in five seconds flat.
0: There is one fairly recent statue that resides in the capital city of Austin, which serves to memorialize not the sacrifice of soldiers, nor the tongue-in-cheek importance of a cartoon character, but the long-running friendship of three Texan academics, known by some as the Salon of the West.
1: Walter Prescott Webb, the historian, J. Frank Doby, the folklorist and legendary iconoclast, and Roy Betachek, the naturalist that was the common link between them. All three had grown up in small Texas towns in the early 1900s, working the land and learning about the people that lived there before them—Indians, settlers, Spaniards, and other Indians. We've talked about how the Indians moved around and had a whole culture before we moved in. While they were still young, they left their labor-filled lives on the dying frontier to find jobs as journalists and teachers and ended up at the University of Texas at Austin.
2: Now, the three became friends, and they fell into the habit of spending long days around the Barton Springs swimming hole or lounging on a slab of granite near the diving board. They had wide-ranging conversations on whatever topics came to mind with each other or with whoever decided to walk up and join in. Their discussions fueled the work of all three, and it contributed to a long list of works chronicling the history and essence of the Lone Star State. In the 1990s,
0: oh, I remember the 1990s. (laughs) A group of Austinites commissioned a statue to commemorate this friendship and their tradition. The sculpture, named Philosopher's Rock by its sculptor, but often referred to as Conversation Rock, sits near the entrance to the pool and portrays the influential trio deep in conversation.
1: The influence of these three friends is uh, largely attributed as being responsible for the liberal tradition that has thrived in Austin, despite the overriding conservative nature of the state's political leanings. Uh, this tribute to their influence also serves as a monument to the old Texan spirit and the fading frontier of self-made men and women. These were guys that grew up, you know, in small towns, work in the fields, you know, had a hard life, and then they basically grew up and went in, joined the, the regular world in the city, but they never gave up their their roots, and they always strive to maintain that that was, you know, something important to hang
2: on to. And they dominated academic life in, in University of Texas in the 1900s. Prescott Webb wrote of course the most famous book he wrote was his history of the Texas Rangers which is really dry and a little bit racist uh, but um uh, Frank Dobie actually if you've ever read you'd be surprised at how entertaining and beautifully written his book on the history of the longhorns is yeah yeah a fantastic book about cattle but it, it's he he is a humorist he was a humorist and and he wrote really funny things in a raging liberal completely totally liberal like he was the exact opposite of his of of uh prescott webb and and that's why Belichick was a good balance between them because he was a pretty moderate guy yeah
1: and like i said that's these three guys and their influence in austin is one of the reasons that we have this whole idea of austin being this weird liberal island in the center of a conservative yeah. sea
0: well thanks for keeping austin weird yep
2: they started it being weird yep. really
1: Now, there are other monuments throughout the state that are worth mentioning. Uh, Some are striking and poignant, and others are just entertaining and perhaps a bit on the ridiculous side. Sometimes the story behind the monument is as fascinating as the monument
2: itself. One of the more somber monuments in Texas is the Freedman Cemetery Memorial in Dallas. This is located just north of downtown Dallas, near where Lemon Avenue meets Central Expressway. It's across from the City Place building. Um, It commemorates the site of one of Dallas's very first cemeteries for African Americans. The cemetery was built in 1869 and expanded in the 1870s, and in fact is thought to be the oldest cemetery in Dallas. For many years, it was part of the thriving freedmen African American communities that sprung up along the old Central Track Railroad. Now, as we know from our Deep Ellum episode, the building of the Dallas Central Expressway in the 1930s caused tremendous damage to these communities, And most of the above-ground grave markers in the old cemetery were demolished to make way for the freeway. There's even stories that gravestones were used as filler on on these roads. In 1965, the descendants of persons buried there in the city of Dallas established this memorial park on a part of the cemetery that had survived. In 1999, an arched memorial and central statue were built featuring the work of famed African-American sculptor David Newton. Today, the park is a place for moving contemplation and remembrance, but it also serves as an important archaeological research site where scholars can learn about the Freedmen's communities, which were so vital to the development of Dallas.
1: Yeah, and David Newton also uh, was a sculptor of the statues at the um, Veterans Memorial in Plano. In
0: Denison, north of Dallas, near the Oklahoma border, and in Comfort, a central Texas town near San Antonio, there are two unique memorials. They're both Civil War monuments, which are very common in Texas. But what makes them unique are their subjects, because they both commemorate the cause of the Union rather than the Confederacy. In Denison, there is a statue of a Union soldier, and in Comfort, there is a simple obelisk with the words Trier de Union, which is German for loyal to the Union. These monuments commemorate the struggles and hardships that Texans loyal to the Union cause
1: suffered in these communities during the Civil War. Not far from comfort is another commonly found monument with an uncommon story. There are plenty of World War I doughboy statues throughout the state. 200,000 Texans served in the war, which touched nearly every community in Texas at the time. In New Braunfels, located halfway between Austin and San Antonio, the statue of the American soldier on the courthouse square has a special meaning. German Texans faced suspicion, discrimination, and harassment during the Great War. Uh, New Braunfels was one of the first towns in Texas founded by Germans and was hit hardest by this hateful campaign. The statue of the Doughboy was donated by a wealthy German Texas family in 1937, the 20th anniversary of the U.S. and Texas entering the war. They wanted to demonstrate the town's loyalty and patriotism, despite the way its citizens had been treated.
2: Not all monuments have a sad or tragic backstory. In Heiko, about 75 miles west of Fort Worth, there's a statue to famed Old West outlaw Billy the Kid. Now, wait a minute. I've seen Young Guns. He's not from Texas. Right. I don't even think he ever came to Texas. Uh, William Bonney, his real name, was born in New York City, and he spent most of his short life in New Mexico. So what does Heiko, Texas have to do with Billy the Kid? Well, in 1949, an elderly cowboy from Heiko named Brushy Bill Roberts claimed... Brushy? Brushy Bill. Yeah. He claimed that he was actually Billy the Kid, and he'd escaped from his fatal encounter with Pat Garrett in 1881. He said he'd taken on the identity of a cousin in Texas since then. Most historians and some members of his family rejected his claims, and he died in 1950 of a heart attack. But Heiko embraced the notoriety that the, quote, real Billy the Kid brought them, and they erected a statue and built a museum in honor of the legendary outlaw.
0: Well, he
2: could have been the real Billy sure. the Kid. And also, Chupacabra.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. In 1931, the tiny farming community of Hilbigville, just east of Austin, had already gone through four name changes since its founding in the 1840s by German immigrants. The town had barely 200 people in it, but most of them were devoutly faithful German Catholics. Like all good Texans, they were huge football fans, but their loyalties didn't lie with the Longhorns of the University of Texas or the Aggies of Texas A&M. Their loyalty lay with a higher power, notably the Fighting Irish of the University of Notre Dame and their legendary coach, Newt Rockne. In 1931, the people of Hilbigville, like most Americans, were shocked when Rockne was killed in a plane crash in Kansas. Rockne had never been to Hilbigville— but just the same, the children at the Sacred Heart School took a vote, calling on the town to be renamed Rockney, and the community did just that. Today, you can find a bust of Newt Rockney in the town's park, along with two fully restored Frontier cabins, a 1920s-style store, and even a working outhouse. To be fair,
1: it's kind of hard to not have a working outhouse. Well, I think, like, as long as you've got a seat... It's a, you got a seat and a shovel, you got a
0: working outhouse folks. Like it's win, not really Win one for the gipper. It's not real. <laughs> it's not really like
1: space age technology. Now, way out in the tiny panhandle town of Turkey, there is a memorial to one of the very earliest country music stars, Bob Wills, the King of Western Swing. Bob Wills and his Texas Playboys were among the very first country music superstars and were most popular from the 1930s to the 1950s. Their music Called Western Swing, was a style that combined old-time music lyrics and up-tempo jazz, polka, and big band swing. Wills grew up in Turkey, and when he died in 1975, they built a large monument in Bob Wills Park. It features a tall column with a huge bronze fiddle on top, which was Wills' famous instrument. The town also maintains the official Bob Wills Museum celebrating the life and music of this classic Texan.
2: And what I love about Bob Wills is he had somebody in his band, the Texas Playboy, whose sole job was to go, Aha! <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, Texas loves the biggest, best, and weirdest stuff just like every other state does. Giant statues of our heroes, our crops, or just the things that make us happy show up all over the state. No one who has driven from Houston to Dallas can say that they haven't seen the
0: giant statue of Sam Houston located just south of Huntsville. Technically called a tribute to courage, this statue was built in 1994 and is the second largest freestanding statue in the U.S. at 67 feet tall.
2: After the Statue of Liberty.
0: I... I...
1: <sighs> We need to do something about this, people. <laughs>
2: this is—I
1: am—I am outraged. Now, yep. now, not to be outdone, supporters of Stephen F. Austin commissioned the same artist, David Addicks, to build a similarly sized statue of the father of Texas in Angleton, which is in the heart of the original colony. Uh, who would win in a battle between these two? Do you think? Sam Houston easily. He has a cane.
2: Well, the Austin <laughs> statue. Which is a weapon? He has a gun. He has a fifty-two foot long rifle. Yeah. It's, it's not. made of stone. It's but. a
0: stone rifle. He's going to try to shoot that thing and nothing's going to happen <laughs> <laughs> while Sam Houston beats him about the head and shoulders with a with a cane. Which he
2: did in real life. <laughs> let's, let's call it a draw. Yeah, we'll call it a draw. Well, Addix is also working on a collection of giant stone busts of all the presidents, as well as 36-foot tall statues of the Beatles, all of which are on display in his studio in Houston. You can go there and just walk in. His busts of Washington, Lincoln, Houston, and Austin are set up in a park near a notorious Houston freeway system bottleneck, and it's earned them the nickname Mount Rush Hour. <laughs> oh, Houston. Not necessarily in the monuments
0: category or the standard world's largest. Examples of this are present throughout the state. Not all of them are current, and typically with these things, there's often a level of one-upsmanship with other states. So, if we get any of these wrong... You just need to blame the internet. Beaumont has the former world's largest fire hydrant.
1: Big Springs has the
2: world's largest pair of horns.
1: Leapin has the giant rocking chair. But the world's largest patio chair is located at Sunnyland Furniture in Dallas. Abilene has
2: the largest buffalo skull and the largest paper airplane. Denton has the world's largest
0: ball of barbed wire. Freer has the world's largest rattlesnake. And the North Star Mall in San Antonio has the world's largest pair of cowboy boots. I wonder if those
1: would fit Sam Houston.
2: Yeah, and then for whatever reason, I don't know why this is, but the the town of Seguin, which is named after Juan Seguin, who was a Tejano hero of the Texas Revolution, is just crazy fixated on pecans. Until 1982, it had the world's largest pecan statue, and then a larger one was built in Brunswick, Missouri. And so for 30 years, they didn't have the record. They had the world's second-largest uh, pecan statue. But in 2012, go Sagin. They regained the title by building an even bigger pecan. Now the original record uh, record holder, a, the current champ, and in a third giant pecan, uh, which is the world's one of the world's largest mobile pecans, are all proudly on display in Sagin. Who knew that giant nuts were such hot commodities? Yeah,
1: I don't know. But... I was looking it up, and Seguin also, in October, has a pecan and heritage festival. Well, so it's not just building giant pecans. They've got a whole pecan thing going on Well, there. we
0: didn't even have on the list uh, the world's largest peanut, which you can find in Pearsall, Texas. Yeah, that's Where yep. I went to junior yeah, high. In fact,
1: there's, we'll put a link in the show notes. There's a list of all of the crazy, weird, crazy stuff. roadside, in, well, roadside attractions, attractions in, Texas. in Texas. And interestingly enough, we mentioned uh, Odessa being the jackrabbit roping... Capital of Texas? That's an official, legislated thing. Yeah. There's a there's a page I came across that lists all of the official capitals in Texas. Yeah, a state designated by a state the state legislature.
2: Put a bill in. It went through the entire well, process. <laughs> yeah.
1: I I gotta say, uh,
0: I'm hoping that soon one somebody who listens to the show potentially knows or is a state legislature and will propose a Texas podcast day and will say, <laughs> come and take it is you the know, official podcast yeah, in the state. Yeah, let's let's make it something something a good a nice cool fall day or maybe an early spring day. That'd be lovely.
1: Yeah. yeah. But the but the point of all this is just to emphasize the fact that not only do we have these great wonderful monuments built to the history and the the heritage of Texas and the Texas Revolution, but we've got a lot of really just interesting things to look yeah. at in the state. I mean,
2: there's there's actually two different full-size replicas of Stonehenge on different parts of the state. Yeah. You know, and that's not a memorial to anything. It's just hey, we're going to build a replica of stone? <laughs> well, then we're
0: not even talking, and we didn't even talk in this episode about just the crazy things you see on the highways and byways. I mean, there's a whole couple of websites that are dedicated to just like crazy statues of lumberjacks and things. They're used, yeah. You know, right off the freeway, there, there was this sort of monuments of the 50s. A bit. And I love there's one in downtown Dallas when you're coming north on 75, there's a, a, a lawyer's office and it has a giant shark yeah. on top yeah. of it.
2: Well, in the Dallas Zoo, has that ginormous uh, giraffe? It's yeah. huge, and its tongue actually makes it the world's largest. The world's largest animal statue or something. It's it's really weird. Uh, there's why do we build? Yeah. I guess the question is why do we build
0: giant pecans? Giant what? Is, what does having a giant fiberglass peanut get you in terms of
1: like? Well, we talked about them on this podcast. We
2: talked about them in this podcast. People drive to see it. It's a focal point. For their, for their festivals and their industry that yeah. they do. And what, and their, what I think is great
1: is a lot of these are, like you're asking, what is the deal with and pecans? Well, yeah. they probably just picked it. They said, nobody yeah. is doing a pecan thing. Let's do a pecan right. thing because nobody else is doing it. We've got a lot of pecan groves here. Let's make it our thing. It'll and,
2: bring in tourism tourists once a so year that, for a that's, festival. And
1: that's kind of a big deal in Texas is all of these small towns and even bigger towns will put together some sort of festival and make it a tradition well, so that there's something to draw in the crowd well
0: and again we, we talked had, about we had a potato fest in one of the towns yeah. i lived in and that yeah. was the thing was is that every year you had the potato fest yeah. and then the carnival would come to town with the with the weird carny rides and you'd eat a bunch of cotton candy and they'd have you know some contests and things and it was just i understand it's a celebration of local culture it's it's interesting how many like, fun landmarks we have. I mean, we, you know, we didn't include big tex on this from the state fair, but he's, you know, there's all these kind of things that we think of as these symbols and these uh, symbols of Texas and we build these beautiful and fun monuments to them. I think Popeye's great, by the way. Like, how cool is that?
1: Yeah, and it seems kind of random. You're like, why is there a statue of Popeye in Texas? And then you realize, well, you know, Crystal City was a big deal growing spinach right. They got shipped up north where they couldn't grow it year round. There,
2: there's a town in the valley that has the world's largest half-eaten watermelon statue and it's a giant statue <laughs> of a half-eaten watermelon. Well, but that is illustrates what they grow down there, yeah. what they're known for. Was
1: that pre or post Sam Houston statue? Uh, I
2: don't know. I guess maybe Sam maybe he Houston went for, a snack. went for a snack. But I think we, we talked about, I don't even, I think we talked about in the last episode that Texas has more historical markers than the any State? No, then all the states put together, there are more historical markers in Texas. Well, I can tell you, there's a lot of history to Texas, yes. Sean. Yeah. I mean,
0: you well, know, you can go to Boston, and I don't, I, you see, like two, maybe three
1: historical items from history, and that's it. There's just yeah. no history. Well, there. it's, you know, we mentioned the Centennial Monuments. They built during the th- the 30s around the Texas Centennial. They built more than a thousand monuments all across yeah. the state. Oh,
2: Rockney has three historical markers in the town the two ca- each of the two cabins has a marker and then there's a marker just in the park for why the town changed to the name of rock but you know maybe i want to know that when i'm in the town right why is there a statue of newt rockney who never came here yeah
1: well the the jackrabbit <laughs> yeah Jack Ben rabbit in uh odessa he's got a historical marker right next to him right devoted to the jackrabbit
2: yeah but we're just, we're just crazy about monuments and markers and and memorializing things in this state and and it just speaks to the larger than life nature of Texas.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. I think it's I think it's again, we talked in another episode about how just people in Texas are just plumb crazy for the shape of Texas. Right. And I think that this is just an outshoot of that of just like Texans have an, an amazing and wonderful sense of pride in all the things they do.
1: Yeah, and make sure we'll put a link in the show notes. But there's a a site where found a lot of these uh, called uh, Texas Escapes. Oh yeah, believe yeah, Texas Escapes. And they've got a lot of good little articles about with stories behind some of these monuments and a lot of photos and uh, yeah, a lot of really cool stuff. Plan your next vacation. Go go visit the largest pecan. Yeah, I mean,
2: and that's the thing is that you can take a drive through Texas, and if you decided you're going to stop at all of the historical markers. You might as well just plan a three day trip of just stopping and sleeping in your car because there's stretches of roads where you'll find dozens upon dozens of them. And then you'll see this weird statue. That's like, why is there a statue of a marching band in this town that has 80 people in it?
0: I love the fact that in Texas with all of the historical markers that you can live in a town uh, and you can live in a place and you can live there for 20 years and then you can drive by someplace you you driven by all the time and you realize there's a historical marker right there and I've never noticed it and right. then you stop and you go oh well that's kind of
2: cool this there's a histori- look at look at this little piece of history the that the train even was notice. massacred here in 1867
0: <laughs> well there is actually a, mo- a monument marker here in Allen <laughs> Texas where I live talking about how the town is named for Ebenezer Allen who was one of the original railroad commissioners and how the first train robbery in Texas was committed in Allen, Texas. San oh, how Bass. about that? It's just yeah. right off of the road. Does yeah. that then make Allen the train, uh, robbery. train robbery capital of Texas? Uh well I yeah, but I kinda <laughs> part of me wishes they'd have called it Ebenezer, Texas, just yeah. because <laughs> that wraps things up for today. You can find notes and links from today's show at brainstable.com. We'd love to hear from you, so like and share us on Facebook, follow the show on Twitter at Texas Podcast, or go to brainstable.com and leave us some feedback. You can find our show and many other great history podcasts at historypodcasters.com. You can follow us individually, too. I'm on Twitter at Mr. Java. I'm Max Sean with two Ns. And I'm Scotticus. If you like the show, tell your friends and please leave a review on iTunes. That really helps us out. We hope you'll join us next time. And remember that even if you aren't from Texas, Texas Texas wants
2: you anyway. anyway.